I'm Andy Grammer. Everyone has a story. I just like to skip to the good parts. For me, this usually includes some discussion of the soul. Why are we here? What happens when we die? The stuff that for some reason all of us have been trained to shy away from. So this podcast is an opportunity to talk to people that I find fascinating and go deep. Uh, Guys, on the podcast today we have Pete Holmes, which uh, of any podcast we've had so far, the whole time that I was listening back to it, I was just self-conscious of how much I'm laughing. I'm laughing very loud and very hard, more than any other guest. This guy is, uh, he's got his own podcast called You Made It Weird, which I've been a huge fan of for a long time. And my brother actually really, really loves him too. So I got cooler in my brother's eyes because Pete came on. After we did the podcast, uh, we got to go hang out with him at his comedy, one of his comedy shows the next night. And he's just an incredible dude. But in this podcast, we get into, um, you know, Pete wrote this book called Comedy Sex God, which is all about kind of losing your faith to find your faith, which is kind of a wild idea. We talk about what it's like to be super horny and spiritual. <laughs> we talk about uh, being okay with talking about your faith with other people. Um, we, get into, we get into a lot of interesting stuff and it's a wild, hilarious ride um, into soul type conversations with Pete Holmes. I know you're gonna enjoy it and please go get his book because it will, it will really make you happy. It's rare that we get to have someone talking so um, articulately about these spiritual topics while dropping multiple F-bombs and making the whole thing hilarious. Pete Holmes, check it out. My man, I'm like a huge fan of you. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate pretty much all the areas. My brother put me on your podcast uh, a long time ago. So it's like, I've, I've listened. I, the first thing I want to ask you, which for, okay, first I have a gift for you. Because start I just, with I, the gift. Start with the gift. I just started to uh, learn how to use Amazon. I'm very late to the party. Oh, but I was listening to your book, and I was learn like, I feel like Amazon. I feel like this is not a bad. <laughs> Omg! <laughs> like, basically, that's great for anyone that can't see it. It says PetF, that's which fantastic. I feel like it's hard gift. to get gifts for people, but that feels like reasonable. It's a great gift. Um, I also like that you know if you're right-handed, it's just a blank. Book. Nobody knows. <laughs> Yeah, you get to but I in. look down and have yes. a reminder that so junior do you want quickly, high was So Pet F, you want to quickly tell everybody who hasn't read the book yet? I do want to be clear that this is joyful for me. Like it's, okay. not, it, it's like so if people are like, oh, that's a painful story. But I love those stories. You that's know what best. I mean? I look back and if it does feel like someone else's life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you feel that way when you look totally. back? Junior high? I'm 40 years old. I mean, that was <laughs> over 20 something. It's a long time ago. I don't want to do math. I didn't come here to do math. It's a pretty brutal story, which makes it better. But do, I, did you like the Iceman? I liked Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Your hair's not on like, you know, like it's, a got little, a, it's got a swoosh of ice. A little bit of swoosh of ice. This is true. It's not cool as ice, but it's, <laughs> it's in the ballpark as cool as ice. Um, and so does mine. I yeah. mean, this is Iceman. This is Iceman. And uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose and Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Like we all just sort and Zach Morris. These Zach are all Morris, like of heroes of mine you're a little bit younger than me but anyway i didn't have an identity we were talking a little bit off mic about identity and i'm from boston and it's an area that has a lot of identity mm. and usually that's you know sports and stuff and i just didn't get into it it's not that i think sports are stupid it just didn't speak to me sure literally i like talking like it didn't speak to me like i didn't understand watching a silent thing like i wanted to communicate 
I want to like get into it and gossip and yeah. ch- joke and chat and connect. So like I loved girl girly things like and one of them was going to my mother's <laughs> E-man <laughs> going to the hair salon. I loved it, Maxine. I wonder if she still cuts hair. But Maxine was my mother's hairdresser and was also my hairdresser. And I didn't have any identity. I didn't like sports. Um, I liked comedy, but as I write in the book um, that I'm here to talk about, comedy, sex, God, <laughs> um, little plug. Uh, I talked about like comedy wasn't cool in the '80s. Like it wasn't. It was still like a fringe activity to be into, like Weird Al. Like now, like you, I, I've been to a Weird Al concert as a as a grown man, and it's like packed with like hipsters and like sure. fans, and it's not weird. But when I was growing up, those those were we were the weirdos. Like we were a rubber chicken people. Sure. So I didn't have an identity, and I only liked two bands at the time: Paul Abdul, <laughs> sick, pre Idol. Pre idol Abdul, <laughs> loved Abdul. Still love Abdul. No, yeah. I, I, I think I had a crush on her or something. She did a lot of like, ooh, ah, ah, and I'm like confused as to why that's arousing. It's, it's I'm like, ooh, something's happening. <laughs> so I liked Paul Abdul, and then I liked uh, Ice, the Ice Man, Vanilla Ice. I didn't. I wasn't a huge Ice fan, but in, I wasn't in the Turtle movie, he smashed. he was in the Ninja Turtles. He I re- smashed. That was one of the first movies I saw, and I remember being like, "This isn't good." Yeah, I was young, but I was like, <laughs> "Go Ninja, go!" Something's wrong with this, but like, yes, I didn't have the words, but I was like, "He did this for the money." Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't. Like even as a kid, I swear I was like, "His career's on the down, and he did yeah. this for the money." Yeah, this isn't. This is a bad good. song. Yeah. The turtles are dancing. It was like a commercial in yeah. the movie. And Shredder was too scary. Anyway, um, so I didn't even have the album. I think it was called To the Extreme. I didn't have To the Extreme. I had the single. So I just had the tape of Ice Ice Baby. And on the back was like, I don't know, an instrumental. I don't know what it was, or a remix. So I, I didn't even like music. Like I, I didn't identify, I still don't identify myself by the music I like. But at the time, I was like, I saw other people doing it. So anyway, I went to the C Maxine. With my mother, and I was like, we were all getting like lines in our hair, not in our eyebrows. I wasn't that not yet. I wasn't that cool, but I'd get lines in my hair. And then one one week, I was like, we should shave something in my hair because there were cooler kids in my school that would do that. And I was like, just shave my name. We didn't know what else to do, so just do also my name. kind of a ballsy move. Like I. I had some confidence, but I didn't have that confidence. You're right. That's that's uh, that's impressive. No, I'm impressed with you because I'm telling the story in the book, and when you're telling your story, you sort of have to reduce it to its main component. No, you know, you like are not afraid of the spotlight if you're shaving no, I know, Pete I know. in the back of your head. But I sort of I I didn't have enough real estate in a book to be like, here's everything about sure. me in junior high. I wanted to say I was uncomfortable in junior high. I was uncomfortable in my house. So I went to the church, and that's true. Yeah. So that's like the one, two, three sure. okay. to explain. But like, if I really wanted to write a book about junior high, I'd be like, yeah, I was the loud kid. I was like the lead in the play. Like, sure. I was going for it. Yeah, I wasn't shy. <laughs> I was clammy handed, and I, I had boobs, and like just sort of like boob shadow and a double chin, and I was just like wearing rayon shirts and stuff. Yeah. But like, I, I was I was going for it. It wasn't always working, but I was going for it. I'd yet to learn any restraint whatsoever. Yeah, you know what I mean. I was always just like, "Hey, ladies!" You know, just like didn't understand. And the and the cool kids were all the quiet kids. They were like like smoking after school, and they were like playing it cool. And I was just like, mm, cigarettes. 
Sure, that's PU. Yeah, like, yeah. So I, I like who I was. But anyway, it wasn't very popular. So she shaved Pete in the back of my head, but she forgot the last E. This is like a fundamental story in my upbringing. So she wrote P-E-T, which is a word. It looks like I was somebody's sex slave or something. Like it was it was done with black candles burning and they're like, you're mine, everyone will know. It's a little too dark for the book, but I'll make that joke yeah, here. Yeah. So I had the word pet in my hair. And I was so polite and sweet, you know. I I wasn't mad. I don't remember being mad. I just I, I wouldn't feel mad until I was like twenty eight. Sure, <laughs> I, I didn't discover those emotions until later, um, or comfortability with those emotions. So I asked her to shave, you know, the e, the last e, because she didn't even notice. She was like, ta da, done. I was like, you gotta Nailed finish it. it, and she squeezed it in, and it looked like a little f. <laughs> so the next day at school. I write in the book that all the kids and some of the funnier faculty started calling me Pet F, which you have to. I can't be mad at that. Pet F is so good. It's so it funny. Feels, it feels so it feels like a thing, and it's so awkward in your mouth. Pet F. Yeah, like the story already is so like, oh my god, yeah. and then Pet F is extra awkwardly. I get like, it. Pet it doesn't work. <sighs> it's not a word. It's wonderful, but for some reason, it feels like it should exist. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, like. Oh, he's a pet F. He's a pet F. <laughs> Actually, like it sounds like a thing. Yeah, yeah. That's he's a, a good boy. To pedophile, to be he's, he's, like, yeah, it sounds like short pet name pedophile. <laughs> we just ruined everything. I'll take I didn't the mug back. I apologize. <laughs> hey, kids, that's not a good that's mug a for the thing. birthday parties. Um, um, this book is so pedophile. good, man. You did ruin it. I ruined it. I actually meant to make it great, and I ruined and no, it. No, it's okay. It's okay. okay. It, it was already terrible, and it replaced my other nickname, which, as I say in the book, was Biter Shaft. Which <laughs> What's that? We learned the parts of the penis. One of them is the shaft, <laughs> and then they just started calling me Biter Shaft, and I still don't know what it means. I think it means well, biter like sort of means like you bite someone's style, or it just means you like bite. So I give blowjobs, but they're bad. They're toothy, <laughs> toothy blowjobs. It's brutal. They're, what's wonderful about like seventh grade nicknames is we we're mean. Everybody's mean about it, they're but then mean. some are actually just fucking wonderful. I know, but that one is fucking confusing and pretty funny. <laughs> really I think mean, great. Biter Shaft is great. It's pretty they I mean, looking back, it's hilarious. And at the time, it was it was it was, it was traumatic enough yeah. to make me uh <laughs> dig deep and develop a personality. All the people that called me Pedef, I don't know what happened to them, but I, yeah. They peaked. You know what? what I mean? That they they were peaking when they were being assholes. I was lucky. My last name's Grammar, and so there weren't. It was like Grandma or like Hammer. Yeah, and none of those are good enough to stick. And I kind of knew that as well. By, by the shaft didn't by, really stick. Oh, it didn't stick. And the school, like again, if I was telling the full story, the school was far too progressive and liberal and loving yeah. to allow like me to be publicly called Biter Shaft. I would get prank phone calls, and people would say like Biter Shaft or or sing. That I had big breasts or something. Yeah. So that happened, but like in the school, it was like a val. It was a Quaker school. So the values of the school, we meditated. We didn't call it meditated. We call it silent meeting. But like it was a very loving place. Yeah. So I sort of I didn't like leave that out to manipulate the reader, but I didn't want to confuse it. It was like, look, junior high wasn't easy. Yeah. Uh, and and my home life wasn't easy. And then I went into the warm, I'm going to say bosom, okay, of the church, 
which we can give, you know, it's fun to deconstruct our faiths and it's fun to sort of like make fun of church people. And I love doing, I've done that quite a bit. Yeah. And it was a safe haven. Nobody was drunk. Nobody was mean. Nobody read the back of my head. I don't know why we didn't just shave it. Why didn't we just clean it out? Like I was like, I'll keep it. I'll keep it. Like clean it out. Yeah. Just have a blank. Like just shave. I don't know. I think it was too fine, or make it look like numbers. I don't know. Um. Anyway, so the church was like this really wonderful bastion for me, where it was so dorky to be the cool kid in church. Like it was. It was easier than being the cool kid. Sure. Not that I was, but yeah. I played bass in the worship team. And that was like, I remember someone being like, somebody, I, I always sick. remember they were like, bass players are always the coolest. Somebody <laughs> said that on a youth retreat. And I was like, you're like, Biter Chef? Biter Chef? <laughs> also quietly like, <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't yeah. believe it. You though. didn't believe it. Not yet. Now, now I, I love myself in in the good way, not in a bad way. What I love in a good about, way that I hope we all can. Yeah, I lo- what I love about the book is that it's everybody get it. Everybody on this podcast, you're gonna f- who listen to this. This is what we're all about. This is like the whole thing here is to try to dig into these questions. And oh, really? So your whole book is this, right? Yeah. Um, and what I thought is always fun is when you're able to add the complexity around it. You know, the one of the first guests I had was uh, Dan from Imagine Dragons. And he was talking about how like he has a lot of conflicting ideas, but he stayed a Mormon and just got loud about the ideas that were difficult for him. Oh, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Because there, a lot of times what happens is you just throw it away. Is he still Mormon? Yeah. Imagine which is dragons. Pretty amazing. So to me, what's impressive is to be like, all right, you're, you're acknowledging the warm bosom of the church. Yeah. Then you're like, actually, Ample. we got some shit we need to deal with here. Yeah. And then, and then kind of, Still being like, but I'm, I'm not going to just throw away all of spirituality. Yeah, I wanted to. One of the titles for the book was "Lose Your Faith to Find It," but mm. that seemed too. I, you know, if I talk to Imagine Dragons, if I talk to anybody like that that had doubts but still wanted to stay in a group, well, let's take him out of it. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know that person's yeah. story, but like, what one of the points of my book is sometimes the things that we think are the worst things we can do. Identity losing things, culture losing things, practice, tradition losing things can be the best things for us. Because really, to me, true spirituality is uh, is about not a symbol system, and it's not about a signpost. Um, and and re- this is a Richard Rohr point. He's like, we all get stuck worshiping our signposts. So we have these signposts that say this way to Cleveland. And he's like, these are the right signposts. And we gather and we worship them and, and celebrate them and pray to them and all these things. But it's like, just go, go to Cleveland. Sure. Go to Cleveland. Like, so it's, I, I'm sort of a, in favor. I don't even want to say I'm in favor. What happened to me was the thing that I was told to never do and the thing that I told myself to never do, which was lose my faith, happened. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. Totally. I, it, it made me far, in my opinion, more Christ-like, I know it made me more open and more loving than had I just stayed in. And look yeah. to any hero's journey for other examples of this. Yeah. You have to leave the village. You got to get out. Luke has to have his aunt and uncle killed, and then he has to go off in the galaxy, only to like return the same but transformed. Something inside has to happen. And you know, everybody's biased to their own experience. So I'm going to note my bias. I think. For me, I had to leave it to learn what was worth saving and what was worth appreciating. Totally, but you couldn't be. I couldn't be playing with scared money. 
I couldn't be thinking, what will mother think? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. What, will, what will my church think? What will my pastor think? What will what will the public think if I say I don't believe this or I don't like it? You, I, you have to do that because that's all false self. Totally. It's all baloney. You, the labels and the stories that we tell about ourselves are not the point. It's not the point. And 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 proving that you're right and others are wrong, or proving that like what you're holding on to is still worth holding on to it. There's nothing in your hand. It's yeah. nothing. It's this. It's this. It's this. So then, what are your what's your thought with your little girl of like how what's what's the plan with her? People ask me that. I, I don't have a plan, and it sounds corny to say, but she is the teaching now. She's. I, I'm not thinking. How am I going to teach her? And we were again. Uh. We were talking about identity. Um, well, she's a lawful piece of this universe. Yeah, she, she. I say two things to her all the time. She's too young to understand, but I think it's powerful. I, I say, "You're welcome here." I hold her and I say, "You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome here." That's just a good frequency to give your baby. Sure. And then two, I say, "I'm here to help," because she has. She was born into this undulating fountain that we call existence. A lawful and belonging piece. She's she was born already. Alan Watts, right? He says you don't come into this world. We say babies come into the world. Yeah, like they were somewhere else or they were nowhere. They come out of the world. They are already as lawful as an apple mm. growing on the tree. So she is born with a personality, a psychology. She's developing her likes and her dislikes. So she has a propensity to certain behaviors. She's going to be attracted to certain things. She's okay. going to have certain aversions. And a fancy word for that or a spiritual word for that is karma. She has a lawful set of experiences that she is here to take part in that are all a part of her waking up, I would say. From my perspective, I would say these processes, these sufferings, these good things, these bad things happen to help her remember her true self. And I'm here to help. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. What symbol set like so atheism is a is a symbol system too. That's a story. I'm not saying it's a story like to put it down. I'm saying that's another way to interpret and appreciate yeah. and experience the universe. So she could be an atheist. People are like, what if you could what if he dies an atheist? Great. We need <laughs> atheists. That's they minister to people. They offer yeah, peace totally. and and belonging. All of it at at a certain point has to to go. We have to go beyond even God existing or not existing, and into like an experiential, deep communion with what is, and and we don't. Nobody disagrees that something is. Something is. <laughs> I, know. I don't mean God or not God. I mean this. Just this. Yeah. I mean what we're in is, and as I write in the book, science is trying to photograph the fundamental principles of this, and the mystic is trying to experience it. It's trying to kind of lose itself, myself into it. One of the Images I have in the book is like like a spoonful of sugar stirred into a glass of iced tea. You want to lose Mormon, not Mormon, male, American, Red Sox fan, Southern, Northern, whatever it is, all of it's got to go. This is what Jesus means when he's like, to find your life, you have to lose it. Fucking drop it eventually. My daughter's going to have to spend probably three decades, which is what most of us do, building, defending, and reaffirming her false self, her story, mm-hmm. who she is, what's right, what's wrong, where she belongs, what she doesn't belong to. All of it's got to go. It's all a story and it's all in the way of your deeper self, your spiritual self, your soul, the Atman. I don't know what you call it in your tradition. Yeah. But that that is her game to play and I'm here to help. Here to help. I'm the on-star button in her car. 
it's so interesting because <laughs> you know, like I'm sponsored by OnStar. <laughs> we're we're just like my daughter's almost two, and so at night we'll like say prayers, and that process is like it is a, a new experience for me of like, oh, what am I? I do believe that this is what like something really wonderful and beautiful that I'd like to share with you, but I don't want to be like, um, I don't know, like forced downloading something on you. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a weird process. You kind of can't help it though. You can't. I mean, there's you're, no you're way out of it. Yeah. Downloading all sorts of things, not just religious things, but cultural things. A friend of mine was talking about his daughter, you know, discovering her body and 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 wanting to touch her vagina all the time. Yeah. And you don't want to body shame. You have to find like where are your boundaries going to be. You don't want to body shame, but you want them to fit in, right? Yeah. So this is a game all of us are playing. Which rules, which structures, and which stories serve us for a better life? Yeah, and keep those. Once you become like a total non-dualist, a completely free spiritual person or whatever you want to call it, and you're just like, everything's everything. It's just a game. We're all just playing. It's all just a dance. Okay, great. Glad you're there. Welcome. Fun. Uh, Now begins a more subtle game of like, can we figure out which of these stories and boundaries benefit you yeah. and make your life less suffering and, and less suffering for your children? But um, sitting with my baby, the chapter in my book about the baby is called Luminous Emptiness, which is a, is a Buddhist idea. She's light and she's emptiness. And this is what they say about great spiritual teachers or gurus, is that they're light and they're empty. Jesus said, one of my favorite things that Jesus said, I understand that people might, I used to recoil when people said Jesus, so I just want to give a shout out to you. I know that the name of Jesus has been used to murder and uh, mutilate. It's been almost ruined. Sure. Let's just say that there's here's a great one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I tip of the hat to anybody that's like that's nails on a chalkboard for me. That was my tradition, or I don't like that, or you know, plenty of reasons. I get it. Or it sounds like dogma. Or it sounds like I, suddenly, if I quote Jesus, for a lot of people, it makes them think that I think it's wrong to be gay or mm-hmm. get an abortion or or whatever. They feel dirty for some. That's not what's happening. Yeah, it's all love for real. Got all, it. It's all yes. It's all yes. But Jesus says, um, "Lest you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Not go to heaven. See it because it's mm-hmm. it's here and now." So he said, "Be converted and become as little children." So that's my daughter. Luminous emptiness is the goal for us as grown people. So by the time she's seven, she'll be wounded. That's what happens. This is usually when, when your child will become start be building up their ego and their false self to protect themselves. And that's why we all build our bodyguards. Sure. Of course, all of spirituality is saying like the problem is we start to identify and think we are our bodyguards, our bodyguards being our egos. Yeah. So we become strong, you know. We become. It, it's like the movie Moonlight. You know, he gets the the grills and he gets buff. Totally. He's building up his bodyguard because he was wounded. So this is a beautiful thing. But then also, like Moonlight, God or it or the mystery is seducing you. It's cooking dinner for you and it's asking you to come, like lay down your arms and and return to that childlike place. It's really. I think the the movie Moonlight is about God. Uh, I think all movies are about God. Actually, yeah, yeah. I really do. <laughs> it's a problem. So anyway, what I'm saying is. So Jesus is saying, become like children. So become luminous emptiness. Become yes. Become play. Become in the now. Children are in the now. So it's all right there. It's not about identity with a group. It's about mm. losing an identity. It's about losing a clan. Children don't have clans. They're children. Yeah. And it's not about holding a complex theology or a complex philosophy or debating or proving you're right. Children don't do these things. 
they're here. They see, so my daughter's name is Leela. Leela means the play or the dance of the universe. Oh, dope. So how can, you know, I'm not going to, if someone's dancing, I want to help her. I want to protect her. I'll be here to offer, and by the way, who knows? The parents watching are like, that's nice, but wait till they're sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I hear you. I, I understand. I can only speak from my experience now. But I'm just like, I want her to play the dance. And the, the way that life usually works, you know, through all of time, around seven, look to psychology, there's a wound. The built the false self is built up. And until we're about 30, we're almost without hope to wake up to the, the false self. And all of spirituality is, is telling us that you are not your false self. Your your awareness, your yeah. consciousness itself, your your spirit, your soul, your atman, whatever it is. But you don't really have a chance until you're thirty and experience either, as Richard Rohr says, great love or great suffering. For me, in the book, I write about a divorce, and that is what sort of it's like the turbulence on the plane that makes you disassociate with being a passenger on a plane. Like it's it's enough turbulence that totally. makes you want to wake up because without pain or suffering. Why would we ever change? It's working. What you're doing is working. So keep eating hot dogs and keep watching five hours of, you know, so you think you can dance every night. It's working. But then when these things come into our lives and crash into us, and it's all, in, from my perspective, from where I'm sitting, it's like, it's all just sort of like a play to go, like, will you let go? Yeah. Will you see what you really are? And what you really are is what's looking out your eyes right now. And what's beautiful about that is what's looking out your eyes and what's looking out my eyes is the same thing. We're all sort of, from where I'm sitting, sharing the miracle of consciousness. I've been saying like, if Jesus walked on water, that was a miracle inside of a miracle. The problem with that is like, life is a miracle is something Rachel Ray would say while tossing a Caesar salad, and we're all just like, yeah, I guess. Like that's totally trite. It's meaningless. But if you consider that you are experience, you are conscious. Like your eyes are doing what cameras do with no technology. It's just it's just flesh. It's happening. It's it's working in you. And a spider is conscious, and you are conscious. And and a bird and and it's consciousness is is playing with itself. <laughs> it's playing with itself. Yeah, that's the miracle. <laughs> and I don't know how many times you have to hear of it. It's like it's literally hundreds of times you have to hear these ideas before one day, like something in you goes, and you realize it's looking at your eyes right now. Everything else. My doubts, my anxieties, my fears, anything. Even the belief, the thought, oh, Pete's full of shit, or maybe religion is stupid. It's all just, those are just thoughts. You're the sky. Those are the clouds. You're the sky. Mm -hmm. You're something so much more expansive and free than you think you are. And one of the reasons I wrote the book was that's where peace is. I used to pray. So you talk about praying with your daughter. I used to pray asking for things. Like I was thinking about what I wanted and I would let God listen into that. And then I realized that like it's in you. It's it's something that you need to not think about, but get past your thoughts into the place where you are luminous emptiness, where you are stillness. And that's where your anxiety goes away. As long as you're identified with your ego, no chance. Yeah. No chance. I don't care how perfect your day is. There's going to be something that goes like, but I die or something. Sure. Or there's going to be traffic or something or a headache. Or you're going to get hungry. You need to use the bathroom. Suffering is built into it, into the ego. Yeah. But I wanted a comedian, because there's plenty of books by spiritual people writing about this. I wanted a comedian to be like, you know what? The only place I found non-circumstantial joy, so any joy that's worth a shit, is by identifying as a spirit, learning to identify as a spirit. And that's the only place as an anxious person 
that I found peace, equanimity, and freedom. Yeah, and that's why I'm a little I, I'm a little bit rascally when I want to get people to realize that like you can play with your method, but don't forget who you are. You know. Yeah. No. Totally. It's. It, I identify with you a lot. One of the reasons I started this podcast is because I love to be spiritual. It's the only conversations that I want to have. Yeah. But I'm also like you did your little like, hey, check it out. I don't hate everybody and I just want everyone right. to know really quickly. So uh, for the beginning half of my career in my music is very positive, but I would never talk about it because I would just, anytime that I turn on Christian radio, I even if I like the songs, it's called Christian radio. It's not for me. Right. It's like already like, oh, well, you can come if you want, but like you don't get to wear the shirt. Right. And this isn't totally made for you. And I was so terrified of that. So I actually started this podcast and getting into everybody else's faith as a cheap way yeah. <laughs> for me to be like, I think we can do this. I think this is okay. Yeah. I think that having these conversations, I think a lot of people want to have them right. and get into it without feeling like they're stepping on somebody else. But that's even that's that's freedom too. What I want for people is is spaciousness and freedom. Yeah. And I think that's your birthright. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think you're like flawed and ugly and terrible. I don't think life is a waiting room for later. I don't think it's a test. I don't think that's what's going on here. I think it's a dance. Yeah. I think it's a play. And when we sort of learn that it's up to us to green light those impulses, like I'd like to talk to people of other faiths without fear. Yeah. Because usually if your religion is tied to your identity, it's like talking to somebody who is really, really into the Boston Red Sox. You know what I mean? Totally. It's like hard to convince them that the Yankees are a, a good ball team or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's just hard <laughs> because you, you you've been sold a myth, and that's a fun myth to play. Again, I'm not looking down on sports. I'm like, what a bunch. Of, that's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. I'm just saying there's a freedom. I talk about it in the book in realizing it's just a uniform, and so is this. Yeah. My body, and so is that, and so is Big E. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I change it to Big E. It's 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 E man. Yeah. Like Big E Smalls. <laughs> My man. So he's um, still got the love of HRAST and his The other thing that I super related to was this this idea of what is this, like all the time. Yeah. From a young age. And I ha- I kind of had that a lot too. And I remember when I was listening to your book, it made me think of the, I remember the dinner that I was having. We were skiing somewhere and I was eating spaghetti. And someone was like, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like the universe goes on forever. I remember just like eight being like, what? Right. That's awesome and very unsettling and fantastic. And like, where would the edge be and what's on the other end? Oh my God, I love it. It's all I want to do. No, it's all I want to do. I mean, you and I are the same in a lot of ways, it seems like. And unfortunately, the people that are supposed to be, you know, wrestling with the mystery, like Jacob and is it Jacob and God? Uh huh. Yeah, I think it is. The people that are supposed to be sort of like, Admitting their unknowing are, have become it's become certainty worship. Ah, totally, you know I mean? and it's become that's why like Reza Aslan did my podcast, and he, he's a big religious thinker, and he was like the primary point, <laughs> the reason of most religion is identity building, and that's sort of at its lower levels. To sound like Richard Rohr, religion at its lower levels, huh, <laughs> is to build identity, and it and it is, and that's is necessary. there anything good about that? Absolutely. You have to be somebody before you can be nobody, which is what Ron oh, okay, okay. It's all in the game. And I don't want to change this. I don't want to get rid of church. I don't even want to get rid of fundamentalism. It's all, let's play. Let's play. <laughs> what, what game shouldn't we play? Let's play it. Yeah. But what's fun is when you realize your agency within that game, 
And even you saying like, okay, I have this, but I want to open. I'm going to unlock these doors. That's up to you to do. Yeah, and that's the point. That religion is about an inner transformation. Nobody can do it for you. You can't worship someone else's transformation. Even Christ's. You're not supposed to read about his and be like, way to go, and just sing a bunch of songs. That's great. Worship is great. Fine. But get on with it. Yeah. Fucking get on with it. Do do it. You. Do it. You die. You resurrect. Not literally, not physically. We can't do that. I'm just saying, die to your false self and rise to the yeah. Christ that's making your heart beat right now. The involuntary, we just call them involuntary muscles, you know what I mean? Or that cells split sporadically. We agree that there is a, a charge and a, 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 an attraction, like life is attracted to itself. We eat, life eats life and births life and it's, it's happening. It's, we talk about God being love, but we don't talk about how erotic that love is. And I don't just mean like penises into vaginas. That's not my point. People are just like, you mean, so I just mean like, this is an undulating yes. It's a big pull, and there's a lot of fucking nastiness. There's a lot of gnarliness too. I understand. It's it's all sort of and it's not for us to understand or rationalize. This is a big point in the book, is that like people say things happen for a reason. And I've always been deeply offended when people say that. Okay. My my dad likes it. Uh, when you know my wife left me, I write about that in the book. But then I turned it into an HBO show. So great, good, good ending, right? Yeah. Pete wins. Didn't I win? It's ego stuff. It's got to go. Mm. As Buddha would say, that's all on fire. It's fucking nonsense. There's a deeper game going on here, and it's to wake you up to your soul. You could call it enlightenment. You could call it salvation. You could call it conversion. Who gives a shit? We're back to signposts, and we're back to talking about the ineffable. Stupid. But we do it enough, something starts to get through. Something starts to get past the bouncer and into your yeah. your base awareness, your your timeless awareness. And so the, the rebuttal like the, the rebuttal would yeah. be, which I don't fully but the rebuttal would be like, okay, so then what is faith? Isn't faith the idea that this person do, that, that like the church does know? Or that's not. I feel like a lot of people would th- would think that. That when you start to feel like so, something slipping past the bouncer. Then you use the word faith to say, like, don't let that in. Well, I mean, you really need to get into the idea. I needed to really get into the idea, and I write about this in the book, of transrationality. So we're in the West, and we take all of these like Eastern ideas, sure, uh, Middle Eastern or Far Eastern ideas of Christ, of Buddha, of whoever, and we want to turn it into knowing. We want to know. We want to know <laughs> infinity. We want to know infinity and we want to talk and think about it for an hour. We want to move on. We want to eat some ice cream or watch a movie or whatever it is. And that's fine. I get it. I do those things too. But like knowing, as Ramdas says, knowing and knowing that we know, that's what we want. So we can know that we're right. When Richard Roygen, religion at its deeper levels, yeah. huh? he's saying it's about unknowing, it's about finding a relationship with mystery, with the infinite with the ineffable, and it's about trans-rationality. It's beyond, so my definition of God is God is a metaphor for a mystery. This is Joseph Campbell. God is a metaphor for a mystery that absolutely transcends all categories of human thought, including being and non-being, right? So right there, you have to lay down your arms. This is not something, it's not a recipe, it's not song lyrics, it's not math. I'm not gonna be able to hold it and prove it and show it. I'm going to let this ineffable thing in 
and let it transform me. Science wants to photograph it. The mystic wants to feel it. I want it to get in here. I want to get out of my own way and let it in like a flood mm. up from my toes to my top. And when that happens, have you ever taken psychedelics? You can't talk about it. You can't describe a mushroom trip. What chance do we have to describe the never-ending consciousness that spawned everything? Get the fuck out of my face. Totally. It's ego shit. Yeah. To say we know and we know that we know and every other group is wrong. And have you ever noticed that it's always your group that's right? Yeah. So of course you don't want to walk away from your tradition. You're walking around from a lot of people who got you young when you were very impressionable. Yeah. And I relate to this. This is why I'm still Christ-leaning because that got into me. And I'm saying you can make friends with your tradition. You can still play with those words and those ideas. You can still have tea with whoever you want to have tea with. Just fucking get on with it. Just do you it. You remember yeah. who you are. Yeah. You do it. You do it. You transform. One of the it's, funny parts of your book too that I super related to uh, was that I waited until marriage to have sex, which is I always say like my card was very almost not a card with your wife. Yeah, like almost it was like you know, your you, V card. You hand over the V card and it's like, is this? I what used is to this? love that when people were like, I remember a professor being like. Because a lot of people at my backward school were like, well, gay people should just be celibate. Like, if you're, if you're gay, be celibate. And I remember a friend of mine who was older being like, I'm, let's say he was 40. He wasn't, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. He's like, I'm 40 and I've, I've waited. I'm not married. And I'm like, so you'd be okay with gay people if they dry humped in 69 <laughs> and gave each other hand jobs and blow jobs? Is that, are you, is that what, what you're saying? saying? You go with that? Because that's what our people called virginity. Totally. Was everything but. Everything so as long but. as they don't have anal sex, you're okay with it? Yeah. I think I know I'm friends with gay people that don't have anal sex, so they'd be totally fine they'd be with that. fine. A good number of gay people don't like doing it, whatever. It's not for them, so they'd be fine with that. So deal. It, deal, exactly. It, it was such a strange- Nonsense. And I don't know if- the, how, I don't know the answer <laughs> of like what the better way is. You know, I think what, I love how you're talking about play with it. I wish I, that would have been nice to hear a little more of growing up. I, uh, yeah. Because there's just so much shame around it. Yep. And then you're just, it's just like, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Well, that's why sex, it's called comedy sex god because sex and God were inseparable. Because, you know. I hated college. It was the worst. <laughs> wow, I feel like it's a breakthrough. <laughs> I'm just like walking through college going like, like you're so hot. This is the worst. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Because it's the only bad thing. That's baked into your physiology. So I was talking about the um, our gay friends, right? Yeah. Straight Christians can relate, I think, to the idea that like who you are, even as a straight person, is viewed as flawed and bad and and evil. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm um, so obviously I want to be respectful. Gay people get it worse, and I, and I, as a part of someone who is a part of that system, I apologize. That being said, I felt like I had to come out of the closet at a certain point in my life and was like, I like ass. I like tits and ass. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Because I spent so much time being ashamed of that. Yeah. But I wasn't tempted to lie or cheat or steal. I was naturally people pleasing and a sweet guy with a good moral compass and a desire to belong. But I was blindingly horny. I was so horny. So that, so the book is like a look at spirituality sort of through the lens of sexuality, of my sexuality, from being the shameful masturbator to getting married when I was 22, thinking that would solve all my problems. Of course, I was just 
you know, still conflicted, not free at all, mm. even though I was having sex. Then divorce, so my wife has an affair, so there's sex again, being evil again, ooh, sex. And then I was an atheist, and then I was like, well, I'll just have sex with whoever I want. So I went through this like sort of indulgent period, thinking that would fill the hole. Yeah. And then you know, I bought the Playboy that I used to hide in my the lining of the chair in my bedroom, and I put it on my dining uh, my living room table as if to say, like, I'm not ashamed anymore. Look, I'm not ashamed. This is what I'm doing. The female form is beautiful. Sex is beautiful. It didn't work. None of it worked. The book ends with me going on basically a hermitage, like a private retreat. On Ramdas's property, Ramdas is this spiritual teacher who changed my life. I want to talk about him too. Yeah, go. yeah, but like, it's it's learning to say yes to all of it. In in here, it's it, I don't want to marshal other people's bodies. I'm still dealing with mine. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I'm still dealing with my own urges, and even indulgence didn't work. Restri- willpower, Christianity didn't work. That didn't work for me. Indulgence didn't work for me. Love, it's so stupid. It's so trite. We're Rachel Ray with the salad again. But it's love. It, but a better word for love is yes. A better uh, understanding of forgiveness is forgiveness for how things are, just to the universe, to yourself. And that is yes. And that is love. And God is love. And God is yes. And it's not a flaw in the system. And it, we don't want to think about love. That's more bullshit. We don't want to think about God. We don't want to think about art. Do you want people at your shows thinking about music? You no. want them to fucking flow with it, not yeah. going like B minor. You don't want that. You want them to be yanked into an experiential, timeless, selfless place. So as it is with God. So is it with love. Don't think so. I'm horny at Ramdas's retreat, right? And I'm trying not to jerk off because it's bad, right? <laughs> not according to him, but according to Jesus as I was raised. I was like, don't do that. It's carnal. It's my body. Don't, yes. I'm trying to be holy. Yes. Trying to be, I'm here to be holy. Mm-hmm. And the only thing, the only piece that I found is going, yes. Not thinking about yes. Not thinking about love. I love how carnal you are. I love how human you are. I love how, that's all rationalization. Just yes to what is the Tao the flow. It's this. I am not a visitor here. My body is not a visitor here. Yeah. It is not evil. It is lawful. It is. There are things we can do that are virtuous and improve our ethics and all this stuff, but it's just like, ah, let's just get out of the way and melt into it. And I didn't jerk off. That's not the point of the story. But once I loved everything. Mm, so that your your first thought when you felt that was like, you're not the worst. That's this is life. It wasn't even this is life. It was so much less. This is life is also a rationalization. Even what I'm saying is a rationalization. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard to talk about. Yeah. It's more of a disappearing. It's more I, of a vanishing. I think what's interesting. You're like this isn't this isn't real. You know, if you go like <laughs> <laughs> Biggie, Biggie gets it. So like the response from someone mean. who's in a church or in some sort of other religion would be, the yes is is that sounds wonderful, but especially when you're looking at like teenagers and kids, there are definitely consequences. To, no, I know. You know what I mean? That's why it's all in the game. So my daughter, your your child, we're going to learn rules and restrictions, and that's important. Yeah. I'm talking about my book isn't for children, <laughs> and my book isn't uh, for a lot of people. It's for people that are, you know, at a point in their life where they feel the calling, the nudge to start to sort of disidentify with their false self. Which is so good. 
It's so important, <laughs> honestly, for so many people. Why? Well, as a spiritual group, we do get we do do a lot of this identity stuff. Yeah, we get like really into like this is what I do. I well, mean, even not, when I started playing music, people are like, "Is it behind music?" I'm like, I don't even know what that is. What right. are you talking what about? What music isn't God's music? Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand that. What so, f- what feelings aren't any religious community can use a good healthy dollop of like chill out with like identifying, you know? It's in the game. Building your false self is in the game. Most people never uh take it to the next place. Mm-hmm. We build our containers and we fill them. And the next part, it's very threatening to people when is to break it. It's already broken. It's already gone. What lasts? Who dies? What remains? Pete's gone. When Pete dies, Pete's gone. Does awareness go anywhere? It's a drop of water going back into the ocean. This, you are not a visitor here. And this is just a game. It's not a game in like a fuck your neighbor. and It's compassion and love. Is We're learning about that too. We're learning yeah. about everything. We're playing. We're learning about ourselves. And as Michael Gunger says in his brilliant book, this, he's like, if you were infinity, what game wouldn't you play? Including yeah. some pretty fucking terrible, weird ones. You ever play Grand Theft Auto? You're like, well, what happens if infinity? Every scenario is going to be played out. You know, yeah. like it's going to be every piece is going to be that's what we're doing. But here's the good news. I feel love, I feel compassion. I don't think about love, I don't think about compassion. When I'm in a mystical place, in a, in a, a spiritual place, in a quiet place, a thoughtless place, I feel welcome here. I feel love. I feel compassion. I feel beauty. I feel yeah. truth. So it, I believe that the ark is is, is beautiful. Um, and I think at some point we're all going to go backstage and we're going to take our masks off and we're going to laugh. Yeah. Because it was all just us. Yeah. I, I would <laughs> love to take a moment to tell anybody it's a real Blue gift. apron. Yeah. <laughs> Look, do you want to cook more, but you can't get to the store? What I was going to say Would you like is... a, a filet of salmon wrapped in 75 pounds of waste? <laughs> It'll be there tomorrow. That the people, <laughs> the people that listen to this podcast are very on the same wavelength. And it's a real gift, actually, to have a book that will open you up to spiritual things with someone who's dropping F-bombs and is super fucking entertaining the whole time. That's very, it's kind of rare. Right. And so well, being religious is so embarrassing. Yeah. Being spiritual is also embarrassing. And it's because of what we were saying. It's like comedians are always supposed to be outside of it. That's our job. And, and most people would like to just, we want to be liked. We don't want to rock the boat and we don't want to be embarrassed. And like we were saying, when you say you're religious, it means I don't think it's right that you're gay. I don't think it's right. You have certain beliefs about women. My tradition is rife with like, well, the man is the spiritual head of the house. You want to see where the patriarchy starts, you know, look to the church. I mean, well, that means I'm the reasonable one and my hysterical yeah. wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the 60s all over. It's still happening. It's yeah. fucking nuts. Um, all it means to me is I just, all I want to do is talk about the mystery. I know. So what you and I are, this is why we're similar. What I'm trying to do is say, yeah, burn it all down, whatever. Deconstructing is great. But reconstructing is where the juice is. Mm. Can we find, like a lot of ex-Christians or recovering evangelicals will come up to me and they'll be like, well, nothing about Christ was written 70 years after he died, if he even existed. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's fun. (laughs) 
do you like Nirvana? Do you want to you want to play some Nirvana? Like, let's yeah. rebel. It's great, but fucking get on with it. That's just another step in your journey. Realizing it's all bullshit is is a step in the journey, and it's then, not the end. And then realizing, wait, what? That's why I'm talking about myth and metaphor in the book. It's like what the the Semitic writers weren't writing a journalistic approach to the life of Jesus. That's not their intent. The, the gospel of Mark ends and Jesus isn't resurrected. It just ends and he's dead. And then the next gospel, he rises from the grave, which most people would say is the point of the New Testament. So why would they include that? Because it's after a feeling, not a fact. Which story do you need? Do you need death? Here's that story. Do you need resurrection? Here's that story. Like God is, it's, it's moonlight again. Moonlight, it's cooking you dinner. Yeah. Putting the good sheets on the bed. Will you get over here, and I do mean that in a sexual way. Will you merge with me mm. again? Not not in a, like a pornographic way. I just mean like it's about communion now. Totally. Now when we die, I'm open to infinite possibilities when we die. But I'm talking about like now. Get into it in the car. If you're listening to this car, you're listening to on the treadmill, whatever you're doing, or you're watching it at your desk when you should be working, Daniel. <laughs> Like fucking now, listen to this, but while you're listening to it, cultivate a quiet space that isn't touched by the comings and goings of your life. That's this point of spirituality, to realize who you really are and then to keep an anchor, keep a tie to that. Be connected by a string. You know, the the gurus and the mystics just become it. They just go there and they don't come back. I you know I was talking to John Mulaney about this. He's a good friend of mine, and he's a Catholic. And I sort of I can see like I don't really want John to like lose himself completely because he's so funny and he sort of you know. serves us better. You know what I mean? <laughs> so my worldview has sees a yes to all of it. I, I don't want Bill Maher to stop being an atheist, for example. Sure. People are like you can go on Bill Maher and convert Bill Maher. I'm like, what are you crazy? That's essential energy. It's I don't want to take all the pieces off the chessboard and just have the queens because they can move their totally. most free piece. Uh, and maybe Bill's the most free piece. I don't know. Who knows? I don't mean to say that I'm the most free piece. I'm just saying I don't want to. I see a, a, a. We've made Richard Rohr says we've made a god that's like us instead of the other way around. So we've projected our fear and our judgment into this idea of the divine instead of making ourselves making God like what we see, what we see in nature, which is infinity. Firstly. So you can't know it. We agree on that. And then diversity. God didn't make one kind of flower, or it this doesn't have. Let's take God out of it. Doesn't have one type of flower. Thousands of varieties of flowers, and they're all loved equally, indiscriminately, with the light and the rain and the thorns and everything. All of it. It's in there. And yet we go like, I'm a daisy. I'm an evangelical daisy. I'm going to make everyone a daisy, and uh, don't trust the Muslim. You know. Perennials, you know what I mean. I tried to think of another flower. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what is fucking going on here? Yeah. Look at the again. I love the word undulating. Look at the erotic beauty, the spontaneous creation. Look at your place of it. Don't think of yourself as something that was dropped into it, like a level in a video game. And you're just like, well, how can I <sighs> fuck this up or eat this or build something? It's like. You belong. You're here. You, your hereness and your consciousness, looking out your eyes, is your ticket to the big show. Yeah, it's here. 
And then the, anything else would be a miracle inside of a miracle. Artistically, has this when when did it start really being something like, no, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to talk about. I think I turned 40. I, I just I I have a lot of good friends that are sort of like helping me, Rob Bell and yeah, Michael great. Gunger. And that it's once you just sort of taste it. It's like I have friends that are like, once you've done cocaine, you can't really enjoy espresso. And I feel that way about real living spirit. Got it. Once you experience total oneness with the universe, even if it's brief, the Avengers Endgame is only so exciting. Totally. It'll be very exciting to Leela when she's 13. Sure. And I'm not going to go like, it's not kingdom building. <laughs> Fuck off. Do you, can you even remember how exciting it was to be 13 and to see a screen that big? <laughs> yeah, totally. Get out of my fucking oh, face. I love it. it all belongs. But later in life, I'm so fortunate to have been able to be, become 40, to grow, to be this old. Like it's, it just keeps getting richer and better. I, you know, I joke on stage now. I have a bit about how like we have no elders; we just have old kids. They're yeah. all just they're on their iPads, and it's like, yeah, it's God, true. Fucking, we've gone so far from like, like the Native American standard. There are countless cultures that had the elders that were here with open hearts and open minds that were supposed to be like, I remember that and 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 have an openness to that being all in the game. But can I just sprinkle a little bit of wisdom that you won't even get until the 5,000th time I've told you? Because that's how life works. But now every, everybody, we're all up our own ass too. My mom should not be on Facebook. She's 78. What are you doing? Yeah. Tell me books are better. You should be telling me to look at a waterfall. You should be telling, you know, yeah. and she's got, she's a very wise woman. I don't mean to tease my mom. But it's like, don't catch up with us. Make us catch up with you. It's a weird time. It's fun. There's things that are really it's cool about fun, it. Yeah, it's I was. Fun. It's interesting with someone like you coming over because I've had it in my own life of someone coming up to me and knowing so much about me. Like, not. It used to be like, oh, you know my music and you've read into it. Right. Now it's like, no, no, no. Like I know. Right. I know what happened. Your daughter did this with the egg yesterday. Like I know. Right. It's like so fascinating that we're like the meld of like we're not close friends, but like I know a lot about you. This right. It's pretty weird. Right. Yeah. Does that happen a lot with you? Yeah. And I, I, not to force it, I'm not. This is just where my mind went. That's a helpful thing. I think being in show business and, and putting out stuff like this, I think in the past might have been seen as secular, as something that's not spiritual. The more I, to use Ramdas's word, extricate my identity into a commodity, into something that is freely consumable on my own podcast. You can know how I lost my virginity or the last time I shit my pants or whatever it is. Totally. What do you want? What dirty secret do you want? Here it is. Consume it. It helps me disidentify with it. And mm. I, I hope you get that too. Yeah, I do. Where you're just like, oh, they want to rent Pete or, or they enjoy consuming Pete. Yeah, eat up. Eat up. <laughs> I'm, eating, I'm eating other things up. Yeah, yeah, Let's totally. all just eat each other. That's what we're doing. Yeah, it's kind of a fun thing. And, but then you sort of go like, the more you unload it and the fewer secrets that you have, you become a little bit more free and a little bit, you can kind of, that's a big point of the book is like you can dispassionately observe your life almost like an, an episode of a podcast or an episode of a yeah. TV show. You just kind of see it and you're like, wow, I wonder if Pete's going to get out of this one. you know. And that's a powerful place. Yeah, and is. that's what they're talking about. Gandhi said, when you make yourself zero, your power is infinite. I think that's what he's talking about. Mm. Like, because that's where real power is. Nobody has, I'm not talking about power over, over matter or the circumstances of my life. That's like, 
that's like you want to look for people seeking that type of power. Look, look at the president. It's like I'll fuck this up. I'll build this. Yeah. I'll put my name on that. Yeah, that, that, that's okay. Sure. Real, real power is spiritual power because it's it's perspective and it's looking to something that is beyond just. Oh, I had a really great sandwich today. Like fuck off. Yeah, it's exactly. Such a stupid game to play. <laughs> I mean, play it, but I mean, like, yeah, enjoy the sandwich. But whatever. enjoy the sandwich. Yeah. So I, I like to, uh, <laughs> we like to end. It's uh, there's always really fun. Pet you know, F says enjoy the sandwich. Pet F says <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy your your suffering. Pet F. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, these are my favorite. A couple questions that I always end with are my favorite at dinner. I like to ask and to make everybody answer. Yeah. So what is your most spiritual experience? Taking mushrooms. Taking mushrooms or taking LSD. Yeah. Got it. And this was the one that I read about in the book. Mushrooms is in the book, yeah. And you know, I want to be careful. I don't think anybody could just throw in LSD or, or mushrooms in the back of a cab on the way to a party and, and have a great time. In fact, I think you'll probably have a terrible time <laughs> and regret it for the rest of your life. So please, I'm not like a big drug advocate. That's not my thing. But that was that would to use my favorite word clearly is ineffable. Something you can't talk about, but you don't know. You're one with the universe. You become one with the universe. Got it. You don't know we're all connected. You feel it. You experience it. Um, and even if you don't identify, I didn't identify it as a spiritual thing until later. Um, but that's what opened up my heart to the idea that like, I need metaphors and myths and poetry to describe what happened to me on this mm. chemical. Maybe that's what the authors of holy texts are doing. And that's turns out, I think that's true. Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan friar, is like he's like metaphor is the only language we have to speak of God. How else are we going to talk about infinity directly? Directly, <laughs> the the amount of narcissism in churches is insane. I have it. I know it. I've got it. Floating on a marble. Just, in I got infinity. it. I got it. I got. I got it. Follow. I, follow me. I got it. It's weird that I'd accept. I, I'm a part of it. That's a way of okay. Not having it, but like realizing, like it's the ocean and you're a wave. There's that, that's an up leveling of your consciousness. That I. It's weird that I believe when people say that, but if you're like, I got it right I here. Got it. I wrote it on this note card. <laughs> if you want to see it. 30 grand. 30 grand. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, that's uh, weird. So I don't care how you get it. You could, you could meditate. You could fast. You could do yoga. You could do pranayama. You could go on a silent retreat. Um, one of the ways is buying a puck of mushroom chocolate from a roadie at Bonnaroo. It's not the only way. <laughs> that, is, that is a, it's like a cheat code. It feels like a cheat code. Yeah. Like, oh, this video game has cheat codes. So if up, you up, don't down, down, back back start start whatever what's that <laughs> what was the up up down down yeah, left yeah, right yeah, left yeah, right yeah. ba start yeah. yeah you you want thanks for not saying ba ba a okay. lot of people get it wrong and say yeah. ba ba got okay and it starts select start for two player anyway yeah. <laughs> um, and it's double oh seven three seven three five nine six three for Mike Tyson yeah you're you're, in it. you're <laughs> <at> it. <laughs> got it anyway I know a lot of cheat codes <laughs> ABBA Akari Warriors listen. Yeah. So anyway, there are cheat codes. There's this thing. There's this. So they say in India that like the West is a material, a materialist world. So of yeah. course God came to us as a material, as a as a as a chemical. That is the seduction that I see mm. of the divine going like, what do you need? What do you just come on over here? Get in here. Yeah. yeah. 
I love you. Get uh, in here. That's so sweet. So something again that I was told never to do, do drugs, ended up being so I'm an atheist, I'm a divorced atheist, and I take a drug and oh I just open another door and, and there's God again. Yeah. Again, Richard Roy, I quote him a lot. He goes, We don't come to God by doing it right, we come to God by doing it wrong. And wrong, of course, I'm gonna put in quotes. Mm. But the church, of course, told me not to do psychedelics specifically. Yeah. And then I did it and I was like, oh. The phone's still ringing. It's right here. Where could we go? We have, we've always said God was outside of time, but like, you really understand that. Like, but but then would also say would say God's outside of time, but would also say, but He stopped speaking after the apostles, after Paul. Divine inspiration was over. So God's inside of time for that. <laughs> yeah. Like now He's obeying. How many times the Earth goes around a, a, a star? Now He He's in time. <laughs> <laughs> he used to talk to us, and now he doesn't. That's time. Yeah. If he's outside of time, he's always and only will ever be right here and now. Yeah. Where else could he be? And where else could you be? Solid. Let's smoke some weed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's smoke some weed. Let's smoke some weed and listen to this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just right back. Run it back. Um, God, that's good. Second question. What's the best thing and the worst thing about money? Well, the best thing about it is travel. Yeah. Hands down. Anybody that tells you otherwise is an asshole because they're like <laughs> buying sneakers or something. Yeah. Not that that makes you an asshole. I'm just saying that doesn't really fulfill everybody. But the thing that everybody would like about money is travel. Yeah. I don't know what people buy with their money. I'm not a I, it sounds stupid. I'm not a big money person. I do like traveling. I and I travel a lot for work and I'm 6 foot 6. And if you can fly first class, that's like the greatest. So much better. It's, a, it's I. I mean, look at me. You're a big guy. It's inhuman that they're just like one size seats, and they're dudes <laughs> bigger than me. Yeah. Who I, you know, they're not in first class, and my heart, I, I feel for them. The re, one of the things about money is that you can fly in better seats on airplanes. For an entertainer, that might be the best thing about money, honestly. Especially if you if you travel for work. All the time, that's all you do. I talk yeah. to some people that don't travel and that wouldn't make any sense to them. Yeah. And then you're just sort of like, I don't know, I don't know. Better food. Rich people, here's what rich people are doing. They're, they're sleeping on better sheets, uh, in better beds. They're eating better food and they're probably shitting in better toilets. But it's the same things you're doing. Sleeping, shitting, eating. You know what I mean? There's not something else somewhere else. Sure. <laughs> There's just sort of better enhanced versions of what you're doing. Like we shot some episodes of Crashing and they were like, this, this condo is a $30 million. It was like a set we were shooting on. Same shit. Toilets, yeah. fridge, yeah. TV. They're watching the same shit you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just have, they might, it's not even true that they have a bigger TV anymore because the prices on technology is so low. It's so... This they probably kind of, just have an extra dollop of ego with everything as for well. For sure. Yeah. And maybe you'll postmates more meals. I mean that that's a that's a rich person thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know how I don't even know how relatable. <laughs> Super that is. guilty. Yeah. No. I'm it, the worst. That's that's one of the things yeah. that happens is, is if you get money. The worst thing that happens is, is is and this is obvious. You start to think you're better than people, and you really have to be careful of that mm. because the whole system. I don't want to get too deep into this, but the whole system. If someone's paying you. If I open a lemonade stand and I say I'll give you ten dollars an hour, you know what I'm making more than you. That's how the world works. Yeah, and that's a fucked up thing that we all just sort of know. We're all aware of this. Whatever, even if you're making a lot of money, whoever's giving it to you, 
you're more valuable to them. That's why they're giving you that money. Yeah. That's how it works. So when you start, let's say if you have $10,000 that you don't need. So now you're in a very rare tax bracket. Sure. Like you're you're in a in an exceptional exceptional financial situation that very few people get. If you have $10,000 that you don't need and what the first time that happened to me, I was like and these thoughts happen like that. They're like I don't dwell on them. I just go like I can give that guy $5,000 to not do something degrading, but you you start feeling like you could yeah. persuade people because that's what we're all doing. We're all persuading people with money, and you're like, "Well, if I have ten thousand dollars, I'll go. I'll give you ten grand to quit your job <laughs> and go with me to the beach." So, and they do it, and that gives you a false sense of power and specialness. Yep. So you think you can buy it? Obviously, the point of the book is that there's something deeper. There's a deeper thing to be yeah. get in touch with. But this is why rich people are assholes. Is because the culture has told them that they're. Money has given them value, like extreme beauty as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Extreme wealth. I was staying at a, a Four Seasons. I was I did a corporate show, and they put me at the Four Seasons. And then the next week, I was in Portland putting myself up. So I was at like a double tree in Portland, and I caught myself checking in, and my room wasn't ready. And I was like, "Well, can you call me when it's ready?" Like, like not not even that rude. Probably I was just like, "Well, can you?" Something came out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I realized was because I had carried some of the Four Seasons energy. Because <laughs> yeah. at the Four Seasons, they're like, "Mr. Holmes, we're so sorry. Sorry if that no, was not okay. Uh, we're so sorry uh, that your room isn't ready, but we have the party room where you can I know. <laughs> fuck whatever you want and eat whatever you want. Like they're so accommodating that you actually start to believe the hype, yeah, and you carry it to the double tree. Yeah. And this is the problem with social media: is everything in our pocket is about us. And this is where you see people starting to believe that the world is about them. And then they start acting, they start dragging some of the Instagram mm-hmm. into their interactions when they're like, oh, the comments and the messages are all about me. It's the world. So it's not just rich people. We're all at risk of believing the, the myth of power and importance. And money is one of the most toxic ways that I've found. And so the reason that I, I thought what I admitted is a gross thought that you're like, I could. Give this guy ten thousand dollars. I want to share my gross thought. Of course, I want people to know that when you make ten thousand dollars and get your first ten thousand dollars, you'll catch yourself and you need to identify them. Don't push them down. Yeah, don't like, push Whoa, them this away. Is a weird. Don't keep them to yourself. Talk to your other friends that might have experienced it and been like, "I felt ugly today." I'll, all right, I'll share and one of my gross ones. That's how you ones. keep the lights on. I just had a good talk with one of my friends and. He was telling me a story of a little while ago that we were out to get ice cream and he offered to pay for it. This was like when I first got some money. I didn't grow up with a ton of money. Yeah. And I just got some and I I was like, I got it. Like, but in the way that I said it was like, come on, we both know that I got it. Yeah. Which is the douchiest thing yeah. you could do. And I, and as, I was so glad that he told me. That, I'm like, thank you for saying I'm that. so glad that he told me about yeah. it because I'm like, oh man. I hope I'm thank you cuz I don't know how to I didn't know I still don't fully know how to do this but that is the last thing that I ever want to do. You know you were playing out a myth that's cultural. I'm not saying we don't have accountability, but of course you were told that make money and you can be the I got it. Uh, I guarantee you saw I got it in a movie somewhere. Something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the story. 
And it's a bad myth. And you think that you're being helpful and you're actually being literally the biggest dick in there's no yeah. other bigger way. Well, you see, our mythology is changing. The stories that we tell are changing and now that guy is a dick and that's great. But in the 80s and 90s, that was the guy. I got it. Was the cool guy. Yeah. So we're all getting a little bit more woke, which yeah, is beautiful. That's good. But you you and I still have to identify, wait a minute. You and I both, especially in music, we're told get rich, get famous, do whatever you want, right? And then, and, and what's then really that's interesting, a toxic thing. To and the believe. more that you identify with that, the more you realize, like, how when can I even spend this without being a dick? Yeah, <laughs> like it starts to lose its, and then it takes you to another place of like, why am I trying so hard to get all this? Right. If every time that I try to spend it, all that's happening is like, I got it. Like, right. whoa. It like, turns into like a weird swirl of like, what are we doing here? In my experience, there are beautiful things you can do with money. You can. And there's no shortage of people that you can. My wife makes fun of me because I will make a joke of it. If I, if I offer to buy something for a friend, there's, there's like a, if there's resistance. I, that's my love language though. I like paying for things for people. Sure. So you can find a way to do it. There's, I hope. There's, you, I hope. I don't think I'm being a douche. If you're no, like, you can. Please let me pay for this. You can. I just in my head thought it was going to be you know 100 out of 100, and yeah. it's probably like 15 out of you're 100. Right. Yeah. You know what I say? I'm re- I'm remembering what I say. I go. Um, it makes me feel like a big shot, and and I like that. Like if they <laughs> like you just concede the point. You just go like I like feeling like I I took care of you guys and yeah. I fed you. That makes me feel nice. But you make the joke, like, it makes me feel fancy. So you realize that it's not something for nothing. You get, I get a feeling Out of, it. of like, I loved you. Really yeah. what I'm saying, if I was being more honest, was I get a feeling of loving you. Please don't, please don't take that feeling sure. away from me. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the biggest myth that you believed about yourself that you were able to overcome? This is a big one. Was that my value was something that I constructed. So I thought that, Ooh. like, I caught myself thinking, like, oh, that person couldn't like me. And then I go, of course they like me. I'm Pete Holmes. So it's, this, it's what I call manufactured worthiness. So I've built these fancy hands that can kind of, like, there's a river of love, and I can scoop up the love mm. with these built hands, like wooden hands that I made out of my achievement and out of my specialness. I got some and of, of my, my blue shirts and my hair. Hey, of course they like me now. I have a hit podcast, right? <laughs> That is a myth. That is, if you zoom in on those hands, they're deteriorating. It's because any negative tweet I read, there's a little leak in the hands. Anytime I fail, there's a leak in the hands. Anytime I just feel fat, I wake up, I feel fat, or whatever it is, <laughs> leak in the hands, or just feel ugly, or, or, or shallow, or greedy, or cheap, or like an asshole, leaks in the hands, it sucks. So the, the love is going through... You, we all spend our time trying to build a container for love, and it's got leaks in it because it's nonsense. And then if you zoom out, you can see where that love is leaking is into a big impenetrable circle that's just called I am. Your amness is your worthiness. Yeah. Is You don't deserve it or don't deserve it. You are it. I like to say you're not loved by God. You are God's love. God's love is what's looking at your eyes. Consciousness is God. That's good. And you are worthy, not because of anything you built or did, but just because you are a part of the play and as important as anybody, as the guy that I was like, I could give him $10,000 and the guy who was an asshole and thought that. It's all 
It's all one thing. It's all one thing. That's a good answer because I relate a lot to that. Uh, um, yeah, you're making me you're making me think about myself. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what was the next? Oh, the next one is what happens when we die. It's important to admit we have no idea. No, no, no idea. clue. No one has any idea. Yeah. yeah, we don't have any idea. Well, some, I mean, there's some, some people have it. Some people got it. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. Well, they do study uh, near death experiences, and there's. But you know, DMT is released by your brain when you're dying, so you're, you're without a doubt probably going to have a very intense hallucination. So there's cool that that happens, and people that you know have died and come been resuscitated have reported. This is where Thanks. we get the tunnel of light, the sure. the relatives, the voice, the God saying, "Do you want to go back?" You know, I I'm I buy all of that. There's also the idea that when you die, your brain sort of in the moment after your body, your heart stops, but your brain is still alive. It sort of replays everything. That's one of the trippier thought experiments is that this could be our, we're dead and we're replaying our lives. Mm. Let's smoke some weed, dude. Let's smoke <laughs> some weed. So that happens. So you're, you're in a timeless place where your consciousness is just sort of misfiring or playing with itself. That's a possibility. But So Penn Jillette, uh, who's a wonderful and beautiful atheist, is like I believe in infinite possibilities. I'm like, well, what if there's a heaven or a hell? He's like, science, everything points to infinite possibilities. So I think it's important with humility to be like, I don't know. I'm a pretty big believer that the ego is dead, that Pete is gone, that any place or experience or oneness that you have, my feeling of separateness won't be there to know, won't be there to be like, Look, here I am at the right hand of God, or whatever it is. Like that that's in be be here now. He's like, you can't the fire of that purification of being released uh is too intense to the, the false self doesn't make it. So it's gone. It would be too much. But I I I believe that consciousness isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And I believe that I'm a part of consciousness. I believe that Pete will be over. I, I'm open to reincarnation. I'm open to anything, but a, a, a good the answer that the Buddha gave was, uh, "What business is that of yours?" Got it. And I like that one. <laughs> that being said, I mean, as I was leaving the house, I had a book called "Life After Life" on my desk. So I'm interested in reincarnation. I'm interested in studies of that. But it's also like you'll be when you're there, you'll be there then. But we're here yeah. now. I used to get on planes and thought. I hope it doesn't crash. And now I just go like, I'm grateful that I'm for this. Grateful for this. And when we die, the game for me isn't to go remember that great podcast I did or remember that vacation I took. It's about a spaciousness and a freedom to actually disidentify with the body so much that you can let it go. And that I don't see us being taught a lot by religion. Totally. Is to be on a raft drifting out into the ocean away from everything you've ever known, but to be so equanimous and to have worked so much on your awareness to know who you really are. And when you know, they say in Taoism, he who finds his way in the morning can gladly go in the evening. So I feel like life is, one of the meanings of life is to prepare for death. I don't see a lot of that. I see a lot of us being like, don't worry when you die, you're going to go somewhere else. Well, then I hope we get a shot in heaven to wake up too. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and you probably, you've answered it many times, but I like to end with uh, what's your purpose for being here? Whose quote is it? Your your purpose is where your passion and the world's need meet. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that one before. I like that one. 
I forget who said it, but that that's it. So you're my joy. I love doing comedy. I love entertaining people, making people laugh, giving that gift, getting that gift while I'm giving it yeah. is wonderful. And I also um, really love sort of nudging myself and others at the same time into spiritual awareness. Uh, so you could say there's a need for both of those things. There's a need for laughter and there's a need for awakening. And I just, and my great bliss is to sort of find my unique skill set to, to address both of those things, uh. to sort of minister to both of those needs. But it's really pleasant for me to do that. It's like a chef who loves to cook and people love to eat. And that, it's the same thing. Uh. Alan Watts says that, like, he's not a teacher. He talks about being like a, a stream going down a mountain. He's like, if a deer comes and drinks from the stream, great, but that's not why the stream was doing it. Similarly, I love talking about this stuff. If it feeds people, if it Good. drink, it'd be great. Yeah. But it would be an ego game for me to be like, yes, I am special. After I put out this book, people are like, well, like I see on Twitter, people are like, you're my teacher or whatever. And it's like, if I'm so glad that I'm not at home, like, oh, like just like, <laughs> I've done it. I, I don't know why I'm masturbating like a woman, but I'm like, like that's how I would know that I'm full of shit if I was like, yes, come to me, come to me. But I'm just like, I'm just going down the mountain. I wrote the book that I want to write, yeah. that I need to read, that I needed to experience writing. And if other people read it and they get something out of it, fucking a. It's awesome. Yeah, dude, you're awesome. I really appreciate you, and uh, I genuinely think everyone who the, the people that listen to this uh, will really love this book. I hope they uh, check it out. Yeah, they will. Thanks for having. Th- Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. Dude, that was non-duality. Oh, so, yeah. Anyway, You just F. thanked me. You're the fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you later. Thank you. Also, just because a lot of people ask, I am going on tour. It's called the Don't Give Up On Me Tour. It starts on September 2nd. It goes all the way through October and ends on November 1st. We're going to be hitting San Diego, Flagstaff, Los Angeles, a lot of California. We got Washington, Utah, Colorado, Nebraska. Minnesota, Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, Ridgefield, Connecticut, Durham, Charleston, Charlotte, Atlanta, Nashville, Birmingham, Buena Vista, New Orleans, Dallas, Oklahoma City, Knoxville, Indianapolis, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Richmond, Buffalo, Providence, and Boston. If you're in any of those cities and you dig what we do, come rock out with us. Uh, I love you all.